Welcome back, everybody, to the fifth episode of Top Deep Vitaasan Podcast. If you are someone tuning in new to this podcast, this podcast is designed and dedicated to support university students, recent graduates, and active job seekers within Australia. I'm your host, Arzan, and I will be interviewing industry leaders, recruiters, co-founders, and a lot of industry professionals who will be sharing their top tip which could be helpful in your job seeking journey for the fifth episode of top tip with darzan podcast i have invited an amazing guest and a multi talented guest scott harrison scott has been involved into this recruitment industry for over 7 years of period he has been involved in recruitment agency and recruiting for startups through to tier 1 in-house at e-commerce and digital agencies and currently he is involved at a global consultancy at EY as a senior talent acquisition the bulk of his experiences is in the tech space focusing on design delivery and development in his spare time he follows his passion of songwriting and music production with his music being played all over the world it is an absolute honor to have an amazing guest like scott on top tip with tarzan board without any further ado let's jump into the board and learn more from scott hey scott welcome to the department how are you going today thank you yes very well very well not too bad um still in lockdown here in melbourne but um i think freedom is on the horizon so yeah optimistic how are you good man been uh, good so far i had my first jab as well so yeah i'm hoping okay uh, to get my another jab soon i think i will be getting on on 17th what about yourself yep same uh, on the 17th i'll have my second so mm, oh wow i think i think for us vaccinated we uh, have a little bit more freedom right i'm not i'm not sure Yeah so i think um, even when they open the lockdown like fully when the restaurants are and pubs are open i think they will start something with this uh, digital thing when the, only the people with the vaccinated could you know go to yeah. the restaurant or pubs and stuff hmm. good well we're all doing the right thing right yeah let, let's let's hope that man yeah let, let's dig into ey mate how is uh, going everything in ey so far it's been 3 months congratulations on ey by the way Thank you. Yeah. Oh, they're um <clears throat> yeah, pleasantly surprised actually. I think when you join an organization as large as EY is, you know, one of the 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 big four consultancies, um I think prior to me joining, I was a little bit worried about you know being a cog in the wheel. I think, you know, we're over 300,000 people globally, which is um, the largest business I've ever worked in and probably ever will work in um so it was it was really nice to to join a business whereby there's such a focus on the people i think um they've spent over 1.7 billion us dollars on investment into people so whether that be well-being or um kind of programs or even just things to make our lives easier such mm-hmm. as you know um technology and whatnot um you know it's a, it's a business that really cares about their people um and you're just you're so welcomed there's a, a fantastic induction um training modules um and yeah it's it's great and they're doing a lot of really awesome work within technology mm-hmm. so uh, you are focused into more into digital sector or what are you focused into at the moment 
absolutely. So we have, um, I guess, service lines and competencies. So my main focus of area, um, my main focus area of recruitment is digital and emerging technology. Mm-hmm. So um, within that, we service clients with digital transformations. We build products and platforms um, for them. We help them migrate um, from legacy systems, for example. Um, and then within that, so anything you can imagine with a, mm-hmm. with a tech build, right? So it's, it's a varying um, developers, designers, um, BAs, delivery, whether it be project management, scrum masters, um, and everything in between. Wow. So, yeah, I, I had a uh, look at the EY website and they are really, you know, like uh, they have a huge uh, client uh, base as well, you know, like they are worldwide as well and they are not focused into only one industry. They have like a, multiple stuff going on and it's, it's crazy to see that kind of company as well. I actually had seen few people, you know, like when whenever I try to see if, if a company, I see their uh, employer rating their company and it, it's, it's quite good as well, you know, EY being a multinational company so they are able to manage that quality, I would say. Mm, and I think it goes down to every individual that we hire. Um, you know, culture is defi- defined by every person within a business. Um, and I think, you know, top, bottom, bottom, top, there's a, a shared vision on what we call building a better working world. And that starts with our own people within the business. Mm-hmm. So if we're, you know, taking care for one another, and doing quality work, then that resonates with the work that we do with our clients and mm-hmm. therefore, you know, the wider world out there. So, mm-hmm. but yeah, we're, you know, we're not client agnostic. I think there's certain sectors that we, I'm sorry, we are client agnostic in that, you know, we don't kind of limit ourselves to certain sectors that we mm-hmm. work within. Um, there are, I guess, target areas and, and spaces naturally that we do a lot more work in than others. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, there are global clients, there are local clients. Um, it's a nice balance between everything. Well, wow, yeah. And how did you get into EY, by the way? Because a lot of people, you know, me personally as well, you know, uh, whenever we see a recruiter, um, like going from a good company to a better one, you know, we, we feel that like we have this curiosity as well, you know, like being a candidate perspective, we feel that, okay, how do a recruiter get a job into a bigger recruitment firm? Was it referring or did you apply for the EY or how, how did that happen, Mike? Um, I think I, I, I got a call out of the blue, actually, in um, earlier on this year. And I was in talks with them uh, towards the end of last year, um, but it didn't come to fruition. Um, I think they were just kind of looking to see, you know, um, so I'm just getting a call. Um, I think they were just looking to see at the time, you know, what kind of interest there was. And then when they really started to scale up the talent acquisition team, um, yeah, I guess they, they gave me a call and, and you know, like my technology recruitment background. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, but, and I, uh, as I look at your career progression as well, it, it, it's, it's really good progression. You started with, you know, in, in UK, you came to Melbourne as well and you grew. And was there any, what's your actual experience, you know, coming from UK to Melbourne as well? Was there any obstacle that you had to, you know, face when you changed the country into the recruitment business as well? Yes, my accent. <laughs> so I, uh, when I speak with candidates or stakeholders, and even on this call, mm-hmm. I'm enunciating a lot more than I would in a casual environment. Mm-hmm. So I'm quite heavily accented coming from the north of England. So I feel like, um, I, I know that sounds quite trivial, but it's actually something that, you know, I've had to take into consideration mm-hmm. so that people can 
literally understand what I'm saying. So, um, but on a more serious note, I think what I've found is that um, in terms of technology, I feel like Australia is a little bit behind in comparison to Europe. And mm. therefore I had experience recruiting in spaces that weren't yet um, prevalent over here. Mm-hmm. There's good knowledge to bring. You know, I think in London, I worked with a lot of startups um, and product-based mobile first um, businesses. Um, and then I've, since my time in Australia, which is about five and a half years now, I've, you know, I've gradually seen that kind of catch up over here and it's been good to bring that knowledge over here. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of challenges, I think, um, you know, I think it was a nice, a nice transgression from, from London to, to Melbourne, um, slightly less hectic, I would say, um, mm-hmm. and an exciting opportunity to work in a different country and with different people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think um, everybody, come, like every third person coming to Australia, like me personally coming from Nepal as well, you know, I, whenever we used to speak, uh, try to, uh, you know, have a conversation with the Australian guy. Yeah. It was hard for me to actually understand what the person was saying because the way we used to speak English was totally different. It was more kind of English-based, I mean, US-based. And I think everybody coming from third world to Australia has the same issue. But um, besides the language barrier as well, um, like what, what sort of uh, process you had to go through when you came to, you know, like uh, getting into recruitment industry? What, what was your experience into, you know, getting into this recruitment industry through applying jobs and stuff? Mm. I think um, there's a, that's a good question. I feel like it was quite easy to get a job in recruitment over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know whether that was just to do with my background of experience or simply that there just isn't a large appetite in the, in the general workforce to, to work in recruitment. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's a tough job. Um, essentially you're selling people to people, people have emotions. So mm-hmm. things are very much up in the air. You know, it's not a very, um linear role in terms of you know this is what's going to happen it's very sporadic and every day is different um so i i think um sorry i think i've gone on a bit of a tangent what was the yeah so your experience getting into this recruitment industry how hard yes. was it for you the hiring thing and getting into recruitment industry itself no i think it was a pretty seamless experience um yeah i didn't have any any problems um i think when i started over here in melbourne um i joined a recruitment agency so naturally you have to start from scratch you build up your client list you build up your network of people and professionals that you want to hire into these roles so you know um that's that's the biggest challenge is is you know i had a london network and a european network and then coming over here i couldn't necessarily use that um so you know, starting again in terms of um, my network. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that was the main challenge. But otherwise, you know, I think in talent acquisition or recruitment, your skill set is, is something that's transferable in different businesses mm-hmm. um, and across the world. Mm-hmm. And how, how do you find the candidate market as well? Like, um, like when you actually uh, enter into the recruitment business in Australia as well, what sort of difference do you find about that? candidate market at that time during when you entered and today in 2021? I think these, I mean, salaries have gone up considerably. Um, I feel like it's much more of a candidate driven market 
these days than it is, you know, um, a competition between them to, to get a role at a business. So I feel like there's actually quite a lot of, um, you know, power from a candidate side of things, particularly mm -hmm. within technology. Mm -hmm. um, and there's a fight between businesses over talent rather than talent over a role at a business. Yeah, I actually wanted to ask to every recruiter, you know, that I meet, everybody says it's a candidate-driven market as well. But I personally have came, come across a lot of recent graduates or also anybody who is trying to, you know, go from non-technical background to get into digital space because people, a lot of people lost their job during COVID. Yeah. When, when you say candidate-driven market, does, does that, you know, comply to every candidate out there, whether they are uh, recent graduates or whether there's somebody trying to flip into, you know, this recruitment industry or anybody getting, trying to get into digital space? Mm, it's a good question. I think with regards to graduates, and I had a, um, a meeting with one of our uh, campus um, talent acquisition leads um, the other day, and, you know, I asked, are graduates getting counter offers? Are graduates, you know, um, accepting a, an internship or a graduate role with us and then actually not, joining us and you know there is a little bit of a drop-off rate and that's not necessarily to do with ey but there's such high competition out there even for graduates mm -hmm. um and i think that might be to do with the fact that you can mold them into your way of working mm -hmm. from a business perspective um but it's also to get people who are working on the latest technologies as well mm -hmm. okay so you still think that uh, like for everybody, it's more kind of candidate driven, whether it is recent grad or anybody trying to get into digital world. Yeah, I think at any seniority, it is it is quite um, candidate driven, but it it depends, right? For example, if you are a business and you've advertised a role and somebody has applied to it, mm -hmm. then there is a little bit more, okay, you know, this person is definitely interested in the business. Mm -hmm. Maybe we have a bit more leverage there. Mm -hmm. um, however, if you're, you know, trying to attract passive candidates in the marketplace, mm -hmm. then you really have to sell the dream to them mm -hmm. and, and sell, you know, the actuality of, of what it would be like to work within a business. Um, and these days, you know, the things that are taken into consideration are not just salary, but flexible working. Mm -hmm. um, I think now with the way in which we're working from home, that's a big factor in people's lives. People are acclimatized to working from home. Mm -hmm. They somewhat prefer it um, and um, also benefits and, and, and any kind of perks and depending on whether you've got a young family or um, other obligations in your life, you know, it's really kind of good and humbling to see that people are taking a focus on their life mm -hmm. um, and it's not just about work, which I think is important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, as we talk about the this candidate-driven market as well, and as you try to explore the job market, you are mostly specialize on digital spaces. Mostly, I've seen in your um, LinkedIn that you have done a lot of work within UI, UX, and you know, development stuff. What sort of uh, thing exists in the current job market for this uh, sector of UI, UX, and development? What's what's the condition at the moment? In terms of, are there a lot of people available, or uh, yeah, in terms of the opportunity available for them, for the people? I think there's, there's plenty of opportunities for, for the likes of designers and, and developers out there. Um, a lot of businesses are still midway through technical, you know, um, digital transformations. Um, you know, you've got the likes of, um, well, I won't name names of, of businesses, but mm -hmm. there are large businesses and brands that are self-admitting that 
they're five years behind their competitors in terms of you know digital transformations um and they need they need designers they need developers you know they need people who are hands-on and actually implementing these these changes and and coming up with you know i guess even a strategy from a from a service design kind of perspective and how we approach that are we considering considering human-centered design so from you know the end-to-end process there is absolutely a strong desire for for if we're talking specifically designer development for those mm-hmm. those skill sets at the moment mm-hmm. so i feel like there's plenty of opportunities and i feel <clears throat> just to talk more locally as we're opening up the country um there's going to be more opportunities available and businesses are now probably less worried about risk in mm-hmm. terms of cost and spending on on these types of projects um than they would have been you know when the, when the pandemic first hit mm-hmm. okay yeah because as you try to explore more about the opportunity i actually wanted to ask you because you have been hiring a lot of people within this digital space as well what what makes a candidate you know get hireable i wanted to start with mostly entry level roles as because mid level they figure out okay. it you know it it won't yeah. be um, any much um, uh, like they won't really need to grind as well i mostly want to talk about you know somebody coming to melbourne like international student anybody you know from uk as well yes uh, when people are trying to start into the entry level role as well like you have hired a couple of entry level roles as well what what distinguishes a, a best candidate out of a crowd what, what are the key things that you look into mostly into ui and ux so if we're talking about ui and ux i probably say a genuine passion for the space mm-hmm. um not just excitement around you know oh this is a really cool space to work in because mm-hmm. and it absolutely is however you know what i want to what i want to see from a, a a junior candidate or a graduate or someone just looking to break into space what what do you know about this space and you're not expecting experience mm-hmm. because they're breaking into the space but what have you done to understand the area mm-hmm. what are you reading what articles are you following um who are your favorite designers you know what um projects have you seen um implemented into the world out there that have resonated with you what do you observe um you know in terms of a portfolio cool well you might not have actually done work but do some conceptual work find a problem you know did you catch um you know the train the other day and there was a problem with you know checking the the times on the app or was there another element of the service that that you were not happy with mm-hmm. why weren't you happy figure it out come up with a solution do do your own case studies mm-hmm. um that to me evident you know is is evidence of true passion for the space mm-hmm. because you're actually trying to solve you know issues and and come up with new things you know do, do you use spotify um as a someone breaking into ui what what don't like don't you like about the you know you know mm-hmm. the design the layout you know mm-hmm. the, the coloring whatever it may be like just work just create work for yourself mm-hmm. and and also you know maybe even um do some conceptual work about um areas that you're passionate about so i just mentioned spotify because i'm massively into music so if you're into music well redesign you know spotify's mobile app you know why not because yeah. if you're passionate about that space then it's going to come out in the work that you do mm-hmm. talk through it you know talk through your your step step process mm-hmm. um but also compelling cover letters um are good as well mm-hmm. i think they're truly important um I think I read an article the other day whereby 
10% of people actually create a tailored cover letter to the mm -hmm. position that they're applying for. So you stand out. Mm -hmm. And when you say like you need to have a case study and you need to start solving the problem and how do these candidates showcase their, that for example, if I'm a UI UX designer, I'm really passionate about the industry but I don't know how to showcase it. So how can a candidate showcase that they are really passionate about the industry and which point of you know, hiring process should they show it, whether it be in resume or whether it be a portfolio or whether it really have your own website? Where do you think that should start focusing on something to start with? Something to start with, I think, I think networking is the best way. You know, mm -hmm. reach out to people on LinkedIn um, when we can attend. Um, networking events this is where you make the connections um and you know potential mentors to to give you guidance and advice in this space um but you know i think people who attend the likes of academy xi or general mm -hmm. assembly or would it be linkedin learning you know if i'm seeing these things on your cv i know you're going out of your way mm -hmm. and you know most of the time out of pocket mm -hmm. to learn about this space mm -hmm. and that kind of evidence is you know, a desire to, to, to work in this field of, of work. Mm -hmm. Yep. I'm actually going to ask you one of the most hot topic that a lot of people debate on LinkedIn is that like the degree thing, you know, like, um, like as uh, we talked about UI, UX and development industry, it's more kind of creative space, you know, the more creative you are, the better your chance of getting a job is. What do, what do you think is the chances of getting a, a job into this space if you have a degree or if you don't have that degree? So the, the, the overarching question, degree versus not degree, right? Yeah, it's, 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 it's more kind of, I'm trying to put it in the spotlight about like, what do you think, like as a hiring man, as a perspective, you know, if, if there is a candidate who has a degree in IT or who has done a relevant um, degree on UI, UX and development, but there is somebody who is really passionate about, you know, this uh, field and is showing you case study, who would you choose rather, you know? <laughs> it, oh. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're a size challenge. I think it's entirely subjective. Mm -hmm. um, if we're talking design, design is subjective. Mm -hmm. You might be an incredible designer, for example, with 20 years of experience. But if you're if you're not right for a, a business, it's it's because of you know maybe conflicting, you know, creative ideologies, right, or the way in which you design. Or um, I think degree university degrees or any kind of qualifications. I think they're important. You can learn the fundamentals of mm -hmm. what is required to mm -hmm. work in that area. Mm -hmm. But equally, I feel like hands-on experience is, is probably more effective. Mm -hmm. So I don't mean to belittle, you know, kind of university, college degrees. I have one myself. You know, it wasn't a waste of time. But I feel like hands-on experience is probably something that's sought after a bit more than, than a, a degree at this moment. Yeah. And that's a very contentious thing to say, but I, with regards to all the businesses I've ever worked for, are people asking for degrees in the space? Not so much. Mm -hmm. Not as much as it previously was. Mm -hmm. Yeah, But I do I'm... think they're important. And yeah. I think it, it, that, just to revert back to what we've already spoken about, that shows a passion for the space. Yeah. If you, you know, even if, and, and then if you've gone further to do a master's degree, I'm like, this person is really serious about this. Let's have a look what they actually, you know, um, did their thesis on um, in terms of their master's degree, mm -hmm. right? They're passionate about this space because they've figured that out throughout their three years, five years, whatever it is at university, and they've wanted to go into this area. So uh, there's, 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 
in terms of yeah qualifications versus non-qualifications i think they're definitely really good to have um again you know if we're if we're going outside of like design and development mm-hmm. we're talking project managers well you know i want to see agile certifications or if they're scrum certified um mm-hmm. you know that they're kind of we definitely need those if there's developers in like um you know blue prism or pega or those kind of RPAs, then you want to see that they're actually certified in those spaces. And a lot of businesses do require that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think, um, I think it just really depends on, on the business. Yeah. Yeah. And coming to my next point, as, as you mentioned, the certification part, I, because um, a lot of people, if, if somebody who wanted to get into this tech and digital space, people suggest that, oh, get a certification or get this and that. And how effective do you think this certification work as when it comes to hiring process? Because we are trying to, you know, uh, sum up all of these things and talk about the hiring process so that people could get more idea about what's actually is happening within the space. So how effective do you think this certification would work? Like for getting the, uh, like if somebody has a certificate on something, like for example, UI, UX, or Agile, or any yeah. development stuff, do you think that's effective enough to, you know, like uh, uh, make them uh, candidate stand out? Stand out? yep absolutely i would say so yeah i would say so more than a degree because degrees are quite generic they're frameworked into the you know kind of the skeleton of of and the fundamentals of that space whereas i find you know the certifications are really more tailored specifically to to that actual mm-hmm. you know that actual line of work um and again you know there's definitely a lot more um, degrees coming up relevant mm-hmm. to the space, but I still don't feel like they're, they're so, you know, linear to actual design or, or, you know, specific types of development. It's very broad, mm-hmm. which is important knowledge to have. Yeah. And, and when it comes to the business, as, well, as you mentioned previously, that every business have their own way of hiring as well. For example, if I have a construction business, the way that I want my UI UX is different than to somebody who owns a painting shop or something like that. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to a candidate approaching um, a certain businesses, you know, like with their own case study and portfolio, do yeah. you think they need to have a different sort of um, way of approaching them or should, should they have a similar way of approaching with their own portfolio? Depends. So I'd firstly definitely do your research on the business that you're looking to apply to. Mm-hmm. Um, if there is an actual, you know, role advertised, read the job description. They are they are all different, mm-hmm. and there's a lot of clues on there as to what they're looking for, mm-hmm. and use that information to not only inform your CV and your cover letter, but your portfolio as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, they're looking for X, Y, and Z. Have I exemplified this in my portfolio? Mm-hmm. No, I haven't. Do I have that experience? Yes, write it in. Or if it's relevant experience, get it in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really need to tailor for each application. And I would question, you know, if if you can't, if you don't want to put the effort into to actually make a um, specified application mm-hmm. to a business then how, you know, focused are you on actually joining that particular business? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, I, I think, yeah, this is where a lot of candidates miss out is that 
um, we, we try to be generic sometimes, you know, like I know like everybody needs a job, you know, for whether it be for financial sustainability or even to get mm. into professional step. But whenever uh, you want to get into somebody's business and you want to get hired, it's, it's always best to, you know, learn more about them as well. Absolutely. And, and yes, it is, it can be time consuming and it does require effort, but it's not a lot. It really isn't. And a lot of businesses these days, you know, if you go on their website, quite clear what they do, how they work, check out their social media, um, you know, what values do they portray as a business? Um, do you adhere to those? You know, you can even kind of, um, you know, as a candidate, I, I would be shortlisting the companies that are good for you and not the other way around. Mm-hmm. You know, what businesses do work that resonate with me, have values that I want to abide and contribute to um, and the type of work that you're doing, you know, just look them up. And I think, you know, with within design as well, get on Medium, have a look at the articles that are maybe shared by the people who are there. Mm-hmm. Um, look at the people on LinkedIn who are employed by the business, the senior managers, look at their backgrounds, where they mm-hmm. come from. All this knowledge, it just helps you to inform your own approach as to which companies you want to work for. Um, but also it helps you with your your application as well yeah and definitely most of me it's 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 also about i think uh, whenever we try to approach businesses and it's if i am a developer for example i am really passionate about this recruitment industry that is why i started this podcast and i'm trying to interview recruiters as well and and i feel i can't really go uh, to every business firm and you know i can i can suit the best for them as well somebody might be working on different client firm and somebody might be working on the other one and i think you need to understand what business sort of thing you are passionate about as well. Like, for example, you even when you are a UI UX designer or a developer, you don't really want to go and work on the company that is really focused on boring thing that is happening day to day. Like mm. you might be somebody who is passionate about, you know, creating like, for example, EY have heaps of businesses, you know, like you could definitely see from departments to department if you don't like one project. But when it comes to smaller businesses, you only have one option, you know, you either do that or you don't. So I think people need to first figure out about if that particular business uh, client is mm-hmm. really the their cup of tea or not, I think. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it depends on how many hats you want to wear, whether you want to develop your skills as a T-shaped individual, whereby you have one area that is your specialty, but also you can input in different areas. And I think as a... a, a a generalization if you're working in a smaller business then it's more likely that you are going to wear multiple hats and if you're in the design space that you're probably across both ux ui as much as i really think they should be separate um with a slight crossover but mm-hmm. you know that's that's the reality and you know with a larger business you're probably going to have a more unique specific role mm-hmm. but and- you, you know for example ey's um methodology of hiring and ethos is you know we want t-shaped people we don't want to just say hey this is your background of experience therefore that is all you do and what you do Mm -hmm. you know if you're a ux designer right well let's have a look at the other skill sets that you can have and the other qualities that you possess you Mm -hmm. know can can you work in a consultancy capacity in terms of can you actually help with with the clients instead of actually you know doing generic wireframing and prototyping can you actually have more of a of service design lens as to your approach and can you get involved with the client earlier on can you mm-hmm. actually um you know talk with with our development team can you align with the bas can you work closely with the 
project management and and you know I, I think that's the that's kind of how it works in terms of you know smaller businesses to larger larger mm-hmm. businesses. And and we, when you talk about EY uh, hiring processes, can you share like w- what sort of thing that you look into a candidate when you talk about this junior role stuff? Like what are the things that you look when hiring a, a creative candidate? Like especially um, in EY. Uh, I know we're purely talking like kind of juniors and, and graduates. Yeah, juniors and graduates. Yeah, mostly. Yeah. Um, I'm probably not the best person to ask that in terms of EY because I um, recruit for experienced hire. So mm-hmm. that's typically, you know, at least three years of experience and, and, and above. However, mm-hmm. um, from my observations and, and the way in which, you know, I recruit for EY um, and what I would do if I was hiring juniors and graduates, I'd look for, um, I definitely look for passion with the space, um sincere interest into you know what they're actually looking for and um their values Mm -hmm. and intelligence wow and uh, like since every business is like whether it be like big four companies or um, small business they have their own hiring processes as well um and like whenever there is somebody who is recently graduate they need to you know look through different processes so do you think they need to focus on like 20 companies and you know their hiring process or should they st- stick to one company and then work through that first in terms of the amount of businesses that they would apply for yeah in terms of like applying for the particular role because if you are a serious candidate and if you have already built your portfolio you know the company you are getting uh, you have get in touch with a recruiter and you have done everything from your side and should they yep. focus into one business or should they start looking into the other as well um I'd say don't put all of your eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. Keep your opportunities open. Um, and you probably want to be applying to multiple places because you don't want to be left in a, a scenario whereby you don't have, you know, you haven't secured a role. Mm-hmm. If that's what you're going for. Um, so my advice would be, yeah, absolutely. You know, explore the lie of the land. See what, see what the different businesses have to say to you. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, you, you want to be in a situation where you choose where you're going, not, oh, this is the only offer that I've received, so I'll go there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and what, what are some of the common mistakes that you have seen, you know, whether it be not just in EY, you know, because you have been in a recruitment industry, particularly in Australia context, you have been since 2016 as well. What are some of the common mistakes that you have seen candidate makes when applying uh, for roles, you know, whether it be UI, UX, or development as well? Yeah, um, mistakes, okay. I think this varies from from person to person. Mm-hmm. For example, I'm I. It really annoys me when people put, you know, in an application all of the name in capital letters. Mm-hmm. For me, I'm just like, okay, what does that say about their their punctuation and and their grammar and and you know everything revolved around that? Mm-hmm. But that that's just me. I'm I'm big on words. Um, no, but on a more serious note, I think you know, consistency in their application, um, what they're saying, you know, does their, and, and again, if we're talking kind of juniors um, and graduates, um, yeah, I just guess, I guess just consistency across their application. Is there mm-hmm. what, what they're saying, you know, relatable to their LinkedIn, to their CV, to their cover letter, 
to to the the role itself. Mm-hmm. You know, I think the biggest mistakes I find are people just applying for the complete wrong role, mm-hmm. um, as to their background of experience. And again, if you're wanting to break into that space, fine, but please, you know, hey, I know, you know, acknowledge that this is the experience I have in this space, but I'm looking to to move more into this world. Mm-hmm. Here's what I'm doing about it. I'm reading this. I'm doing that. I'm part of these communities. Um, I don't know, actually. I I don't find a lot of mistakes. I think just make sure you have a good CV, not not eight pages long, you mm-hmm. know, and um, you know, without kind of offense to any other industry. But you know, say for example, you worked as a, a bartender. Well, it's it's not relevant to design. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there are transferable skills, absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, you're dealing with people, but it's not relevant to, you know, it doesn't need to be on your CV. Mm-hmm. That's just picking up space that you could fill with other things. And I think get a bit of personality over there, especially mm-hmm. in, des- in, des- in the design world. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, talk about what you like doing out- outside of work as well. Like my CV, for example, which I haven't really touched in a long time, but there's a... I have a short paragraph on there just saying a little bit about me. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's real good insight into, into someone, into their personality, into mm-hmm. probably the values that they portray. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, you know, it, it, I think that's quite important. And w- one of these uh, myths that I have seen a lot in LinkedIn is that like, um, people who haven't done any recruitment work, they try to, you know, second guess that recruiter takes a minute or two or five seconds, two seconds to look at a resume. Um, how, how many seconds or what, what are the things that you uh, start looking into a resume or like, what do you exactly look into a resume? How many time do you take in it? Yeah, I hear about that a lot. People taking five seconds. No, I don't <laughs> think that's true at all. I think anyone with a conscience at least takes a bit of time to, to read, you know, a job application or a CV or, mm-hmm. or at least look through a portfolio. So mm-hmm. it depends. Um, if they're not relevant for the role, mm-hmm. um, I will look to see where they might be relevant, what skill sets they do have. And then I would refer that to my colleagues mm-hmm. or other business entities or, or even, or not necessarily people within EY, right? I might, I might send them to, to, you know, recruiter friends or other businesses where I know people work at. Because if they're not right for us, doesn't mean they're not a good candidate or a good person. They could be mm-hmm. right for somewhere else. So, um, you know, for me personally, I, I take I take quite some time to to thoroughly read people's CVs. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do scan, so I will scan for keywords. Mm-hmm. Um, so that might even be simply me pressing Command and F and and, and finding keywords. Mm-hmm. You know, to start off with, but not necessarily. You know, what's their title? Okay, that's relevant. I'll read into that. Mm-hmm. Um, Oh, just have it just have it easy to read yeah. make make the life of the recruiter easier mm-hmm. and it will help you so your title um yeah. in the business you work at what do they do one sentence mm-hmm. you know um and then you know a quick you know two lines three lines what your role is bullet points mm-hmm. wow what yep. you do how you did it what the results were mm-hmm. that's and- that's what you want to see and then you're like I, I want to be able to read the CV and go, I know what you do. I know your role because you've told me, you know, you need to talk about it as if the reader is a five-year-old. 
Mm-hmm. You need to assume that they know nothing about this space. Mm-hmm. Inform them as to what you do and how you do it. And what what about the ATS, uh, the applicant tracking system? Do you use it or how does that work? Because because um, I really really think that LinkedIn is is a platform to connect with people as well. But one of the things that is happening over there is that these so called gurus of this uh, who know recruitment already, who know uh, like tips of resume, they 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 start selling these silly points to the people, you know, about applicant tracking system. For example, the even the resume thing, you know, it's five seconds, six seconds. You know, they, they they try to grab the fear of people who are already vulnerable. Like for example, if I'm a job seeker and if I need a job, mm-hmm. and if I see a post of you know um, of uh, of a guy who has fifty thousand followers mentioning that, add a white letter in your um, resume to get a better attraction from ATS. I would do that. So I have heard this myth about, you know, even in applicant tracking system, if you put um, your, you know, keywords in uh, white, it will, you know, easily detect that. <laughs> what do you think about that? And white is in like the color? Yeah, well, white color. Like whenever you, you have your resume, it's usually in black. Like, for example, the keywords are like, if I'm applying for a UI UX designer and the word is um, creative or, for example, applicable, you know, I would um, put the creative in a white, you know, so that ATS would detect it easily. um i uh no no i don't think so i think um okay so what so so insight into ats's um applicant tracking systems is what what recruiters can do is is a keyword search Mm -hmm. so say for example i'm looking for a a ux designer and i don't currently have anybody Mm -hmm. and i've exhausted my network i will go to my applicant tracking system whereby we have the database of anybody who's ever applied or to a role and I can search in the, you know, um, high fidelity prototyping. Then that will search through the CVs, through people's portfolios, through anything they've imported into the system. And it'll come up with a list of people who have high fidelity wireframing in, in somewhere in their application or profile. So I think keywords are a must. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, don't, you know, um, yeah, make make sure that you do include um, anything that you think is relevant. And again, reading the job advert, mm-hmm. use those words. Mm-hmm. The, the job advert is the best tool for your application. Mm-hmm. That's what I would do. If I read a job application and go, yeah, I can do all of those things. You can't do all of those things. No one's perfect. No one is exactly what a business is looking for. Mm-hmm. But what they need is there. Mm-hmm. Do you have that? Talk to it. Get the get that in your CV. Get that in your portfolio. Mm-hmm. Now, following up to that question as well, um, like you say that you don't need to have the hundred percent qualification of the job. What if somebody qualifies with a seventy percent? Like, for example, if a job advert says that you need to have a one, two, three experience, but I only have one and two, but I don't have three. How do I um, like apply for the role? Do I still apply for the role mentioning my previous experience? Or do I put out with mentioning that I don't have? I only have these two, and I mentioned that clearly in the cover letter that I'm willing to learn the third. Absolutely, uh, don't ever disqualify yourself from a job. Mm-hmm. Um, apply. Mm-hmm. What's the worst that can happen? You don't get the job. Well, that's more than not even trying mm-hmm. to apply for the role. Um, I think if you have, you know two-thirds of, of uh, the requirements, then mm-hmm. that's enough. 
um, it might be enough just to get you that interview whereby you can show your personality, where you can talk to, to the hiring manager mm-hmm. and talk about that, that area. Okay, I don't have um, item number three in my, my wallet of experience. However, this is what I'm actually doing in that space to, to learn in that area. Mm-hmm. Well. Yeah, I, I would always advise uh, applying and you, you do not need to have 100% of what someone is looking for in a job description or a position description. Um, you know, there's, there's, there's an element of balancing current skill set, mm-hmm. potential growth in those areas, mm-hmm. and also your, 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 I guess, cultural fit to a business. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's my approach. So if I if I have if I'm looking for a designer with five years of experience, mm-hmm. um, specifically within retail, mm-hmm. um, and they have a degree, well, if they've got three and a half years of experience in FMCG, mm-hmm. and they don't have a degree, but they are doing other stuff, then I'm absolutely going to consider them as a serious candidate. Mm-hmm. You know. It's it's a it's 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 a shopping list of ideals mm-hmm. in the job description. Mm-hmm. I think as long as you have most and you are relevant to the role, right? You mm-hmm. know, take all of this with a pinch of salt. If you're relevant to the role, you should apply to it. Yeah, and yeah, um, it's absolutely correct as well. Because because um, um, one of the thing that really exists within job seekers, I particularly I have more space within this recent graduates and who re- are really passionate about this industry, but they feel that they need to tick hundred percent box of everything. And I, th- I think they need to go and learn as well. You know, like it's it's mentioning, but as you previously mentioned, if somebody is passionate about the role, if you saw the business or if a recruiter that you have one into, but you are willing to learn third. I don't think anybody would say no because it's it's nobody would ever get a unicorn in the current market. I would say everybody has to you know understand that if this person is passionate enough to learn, somebody will definitely give a shot. Yeah, and and there's always kind of this percentage that's thrown around, which is eighty percent attitude and twenty percent skill. Mm-hmm. You know, you you can't necessarily train someone to change their mindset into someone who's driven and passionate about learning Mm -hmm. you can certainly enforce that and you can push people you know further in that space but they've got to have that desire passion and motivation to want to succeed Mm -hmm. um, already so if you don't have that skill set you know but you are willing to to learn and develop your skills and get involved in different areas then that's that's going to go a long way Mm -hmm. and if you can get that interview you can get that across in the interview Mm-hmm. And yeah, as we try to come up at the end of this pod as well, what are top three tips? I usually ask, you know, I'm trying to create this, um, like my own special thing of my podcast about top three tips from a recruiter. So what are the yeah. top three tips that you would like to um, give to uh, any job seeker or recent graduate who are trying to get into particularly UI and UX uh, industry, like a recent graduate, fresh, who are really passionate, you know, they have this fire going on for this industry. Yeah, absolutely. Continuous improvement of learning. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're always learning. You know, um, technology is constantly evolving, but just keep up to date with the latest trends. Mm-hmm. You know, get involved. And, and even if it's simply just Pinterest and you're just observing other designs people are doing or, you know, just looking through other people's portfolios, you know, find sources of inspiration. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily just looking at other people's designs, but it's 
reading books, it's, you know, it's blogs, it's online publications, it's observing what businesses are doing and design trends and stuff like that. I think keeping up to date with what's happening mm-hmm. um, out there in the design landscape is, is something that you should definitely do. Um, and that kind of leads nicely into the second thing that I think is important as a, a graduate or new to the industry is community. So build mm-hmm. a community, build a network of people, go to networking events. Um, if you can, you know, um, you know, pandemic aside, um, and network, connect with people on LinkedIn, speak with them, ask them for coffee. You know, we're in Australia, right? Everyone loves coffee. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, look, I know you're at this business. You might not be hiring, but I'd love to pick your brain on, on your expertise and advice. Can mm-hmm. I buy you a coffee sometime? Get a coffee with this person. That's an interview. Mm-hmm. It's, it's wrapped up, uh, you know, as a present of, of something that isn't an interview. It, but it, it is, you know, if you get yourself in front of these people mm-hmm. who are in positions of hiring, if they like you mm-hmm. as a human, and if what you're saying resonates with them, They'll be like, do you know what? I had a really good, you know, conversation with this person. Mm-hmm. I think we should consider hiring them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think community, yeah, and speak to other people, connecting with your other graduates. Have mm-hmm. they just got a job at um, another business? Mm-hmm. You've seen that on LinkedIn. Oh, hey, you know, um, how, you know, how did you get that job? Oh, you know, do, do, do you know if there's any more roles? You know, mm-hmm. ask questions. Just question everything. Mm-hmm. Be, be be like a uh, a meerkat you know meerkats they stand on their hind legs and they look around for for you know prey or, or predators right mm-hmm. do that in your job search just be mm-hmm. constantly aware and curious be curious around what's happening and you know what businesses are hiring and, and what's going on and what your peers are doing what your seniors are doing and what people um are doing in terms of you know fresh graduates and just checking out kind of also graduate programs out there as well mm-hmm. all right so that was a long-winded second point and then the third point is is um i'd say be yourself and that is such a cop-out of a thing to say yeah. but don't ever like stray away from who you are and your personality um you know i'm probably a, a quite for example, in, in my, you know, space, I'm quite a casual and, and laid back individual and at time and when requires, I can be formal, but I'm quite chatty. I'm quite personable and I want to be everyone's friend. So anyone I speak to, whether it's a candidate or someone super senior in my own business, I just, I try and level with them and get them to be, you know, on the same page as me. And, you know, my, kind of approaches hey look we're all here to do the same thing we want the same outcomes let's work together on this go team you know so and I think that works well for me particularly within recruitment and talent acquisition because I can build rapport with stakeholders but also the candidates out there in the marketplace mm-hmm. and understand and have that you know um EQ around what people are looking for mm-hmm. and the reason I bring um the example of myself is that I think by being yourself um when searching for a job then um it's just it shows humility it shows truly who you are um and i think that's something that that resonates a lot more than than purely just what's on your cv and and paper yeah well 
the last point when you said be yourself just you know it, it was amazing the way you said when there was everything going on get in touch with your friends and stuff and at last you said the last tip would be be yourself it's it just touched you know it's like that's one of the most um um you know the most simplest form of suggestion we could take but that's more powerful than everything outside we try to follow out there mm yeah and that's it right it's that's an abstract thing you know mm-hmm. it's not something you can see that's not a design you've done that's something that's that's kind of innate in your brain but that you know i really think that's that's truly important and that goes beyond anything you can write on a cv or a um anything you can write on a cv or or evident in in your portfolio in terms of your actual hands on skill set yeah but yeah be yourself get your personality out there uh appropriate yourself to the conversation that you're having mm-hmm. um but yeah that that'd be my top tip of the day thanks for that man it's 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 amazing it's uh it's yeah it, it was great to have you over here mate. it's an honor to you know like get somebody like yourself with so many experiences and i'd i i thought we'll only talk about ui ux and uh, industry but we talked about a lot of uh, aspect of, of uh, job seeking as well and it's amazing hopefully a lot of people will be able to get you know like uh, heaps of um value from it and would you would you mind if people i start connecting with you on linkedin if they um like have a listen to our podcast as well yeah absolutely it's no problem at all i'm always happy to help out and um you know provide advice and yeah no thank you so much for having me mate it's been a pleasure talking with you no problem and you have a lovely day buddy we will chat soon then cheers buddy you too see you later see you later Thank you everyone for tuning in to this fifth episode of Top Deep with Tarzan podcast. I hope that this episode was able to add in some values for your job seeking journey. I want to take this opportunity and thank Scott for sharing in so much of valuable insight and tips for job seeking journey. Personally, I was able to learn heaps of new learnings that could be helpful in anyone's job seeking journey. If you love this podcast and if you feel that you were able to get some values out of this podcast feel free to share this podcast to your friends families and anyone whom you feel like this podcast could be helpful to if you'd like to share some feedback with me I'll be more always more than happy and open to you know learn more from your feedbacks because that's the only way that I could grow as well so feel free to share any feedbacks dm me on my linkedin feel free to follow me on spotify google podcast apple podcast and also instagram as well also if you would like um, any particular industry you want me to talk about or if you want me to invite any particular guest from any particular industry feel free to dm me in linkedin or instagram i'll be more than happy to talk about some particular topics or talk some particular individual from a particular industry i'll be more than happy to bring them on in my podcast as well once again thank you everyone for tuning in to this episode and hope to see you soon cheers